Hey everybody, it's Terrell Cummings, your host for the Always Relevant Podcast, and this is episode four. Uh, got a few topics coming up today. Uh, first of all, I was discussing whether or not the Bengals should trade AJ Green. Uh, we'll also be discussing uh, for the mid-year college football season, the Heisman frontrunners, and also my college football playoff predictions. And also, we have a guest host, my wife, Elena Cummings. She'll be on the show to discuss postpartum depression, uh, what she has gone through, both our kids dealing with it. And also, I want to give my perspective as well, being the husband and father in the situation. And um, and hopefully have some good dialogue, and hopefully everybody enjoys the conversation. And I know I'm going to, and you know, I look forward to it. Hope you do too. So uh, here we go. Enjoy the show. All right, I want to get to my sports weekend. I won't spend too much time on it, but um, I do want to give the rundown. So, uh, West Carrollton, they end up losing to Sydney 49-25. I know it's it's been a long season for the Pirates, but I know they're hanging in there. I know they're still working hard. I know they're a young program. Uh, Coach Black has them going in the right direction. I promise you they do. I'm definitely keeping track on, of them, and I look forward to what they, can, what they can do next year. I really think that they can be a good program, and I think that he is setting the tone for how the program will be run in the future. And I think I really do think that he's – Starting to set the tone, I really think he's pushing them in the right direction. So I look forward to it. I hope the kids hang in there. Keep working hard. Keep busting it. Uh, keep making plays. All you can do, work hard, make plays. Um, looking up next, Hanover. It was a bye week, so they were kind of relaxing a little bit after scoring mad amounts of points the last couple of weeks. So I look forward to what they can do next weekend uh, coming up, see if they can keep it going. Um, Michigan, you know, unfortunately, they took the L on Saturday night to Penn State. Um, honestly, I think Penn State mismanaged the game, and uh, but Michigan got a handle on things in the second half. Like Penn State definitely looked like the more dominant team in the first half for sure. Um, Michigan couldn't get anything going on offense. Penn State was making big plays on offense, and towards the end of the first half, you saw Michigan kind of grab hold of everything a little bit and kind of try to control the game. They had a nice drive going down the field um, and, and whatnot. Um, and they scored and everything. And in the second half, it just looked like Michigan's defense started to play a little bit better. But I also thought they got help from Penn State's offense. They got really conservative. Instead of going for big plays and taking advantage of Michigan's weak spots, which I think, well, it's a lot of their defense, honestly. Like, But the fact they want to stay playing man coverage, um, they, run against, they run up against issues when the receivers are more athletic than the DBs. So I know on the on the program they kept saying that Don Brown's defense, his goal was his uh, philosophy is they will get to the quarterback before you can beat them deep. So that's the thing. If they can beat them deep before you get to the quarterback, then Michigan has issues, and usually that's why they give a lot of big plays. So um, Penn State did have a lot of big plays. That's pretty much what got them through this game because in the second half, them trying to run any sort of regular offense, it just was not happening. Uh, unfortunately, Michigan didn't have the offense to – the quick strike offense really to make up for that. Um, they did make a good drive towards the end of the game where they could have tied it up. And, you know, Shea Patterson actually made a, a good play to escape pressure through the ball to the sophomore receiver, uh, Bell, and it hit him right in the numbers and he dropped it. Um, if you watch the replay, his hands weren't even close to being together. It was kind of crazy how he's trying to catch it. I don't know if he was surprised or, or what. But, you know, I feel bad for him. He was crying after the game, and you know that they still care. And, um, you know, hopefully he can learn from it and, you know, just keep working harder and hope his teammates had his back, um, you know, and kind of just go from there. And hopefully they can bounce back. They have a tough, tough game this week in Notre Dame. Um, I don't know how it's going to be. I know that Brian Kelly and Notre Dame will not take their foot off the gas. They are a big play-capable offense um, I worry about it. It's going to be a blowout. I hope that I'm wrong. Hopefully Michigan can try to find something and figure something out. Um, but so far, the offensive line is still is still suspect to me just from the eye test, and so is Shea Patterson. And their defense is still one-trick pony and just coming up, playing man, putting pressure on the quarterback, and hopefully they can get to you faster than you can beat them. So it's kind of a dangerous game to play on defense, but that's how they're rolling. Um, lastly, the Bengals. They lost to Jacksonville. Um, it was an ugly game. They gave up rushing yards. 
Uh, it wasn't even pretty at all. They couldn't do anything on offense. Um, Andy Dalton's under pressure all day. He threw interceptions on three straight passes in the second half when it, it was still kind of a close game, but it really put it out of reach. So, you know, it's it's ultimately turning into a lost season for the Bengals. I mean, I think we already all already figured that anyway, but this pretty much just cemented it. So, speaking of the Bengals, I am going to go in go ahead into this next topic, which is um, whether or not the Bengals should trade AJ Green. I know it seems like from the commentary that Green has, he he basically understands if he gets traded. Um, I know the the people in Cincinnati they probably don't want him to be traded. Um, he probably doesn't want to be traded. He probably does because he wants to win, but he probably doesn't just because I think he does enjoy the city. He does like being around the city, but he understands it's business as well. Um, I know that not necessarily ownership, but someone I don't know if it's a GM or whoever it was said that they do not want to get rid of AJ Green. Um, and I understand that, but a lot of their best players that they had on their team are getting older. AJ Green's 31. I don't mean he's on his last year of his contract, but I think he's on the second to last year of the contract. So I think it's a good time to move him and get value for him so they can start drafting and really give Zach Taylor a true chance to um, to try to build his team. Um, you know, you guys got to start looking at the future. You got to start looking at offensive linemen that are – you know, that are truly going to help the program. Um, you, you, they have to look everywhere. Everywhere needs to be evaluated right now just to see what they can do. Um, it, is, it has to be probably a straight rebuild, in my opinion. Um, there's not something that they can just fill in pieces and make work from what I see. They have a lot of holes in the defense, mainly, you know, linebacker and cornerback. Linebackers are okay. But, you know, when they lost Burfecht, I mean, he was definitely a difference maker on the defense. Um, cornerback, they don't have that elite corner that can come out and shut someone down. Um, they give it to me in big plays. And defense line, they just don't get the pressure that they used to. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of things that go into that. You know, I don't know how the rotation is as far as how deep their D-line is. It used to be a strength of their team. You know, but things change over the years. People get older. People don't perform as well. Um you know, it could be a thing where it's defense and offense, where the defense sees that the offense, you know, they're not scoring as many points as they used to. They're not as effective as they used to be in everything. So when the offense goes three and out or the offense constantly gets, you know, gives the ball up or turns the ball over, you know, that could be kind of a mental thing against the defense to where, you know, they don't play as well and everything. So, I mean, there's a lot of things go into that. Ultimately, the trade deadline is this coming Tuesday, um, October 29th. Like I said, the Bengals don't want to trade A.J. Green, but I really think it's the best interest for them to do so. Um, when he's been on the field, I think he's been great. I think he's probably been at least a top 10 receiver. I would probably say borderline top five receiver when he's been on the field. Um, but he's been injury prone. He's had multiple injuries over the years. Um, and it's crazy how they happen. And he is working hard to get back from those injuries, but I just don't know how well it's going to work for him you know, going forward, or or if it's even in his best interest to play. Maybe it's best for him to to rest up, you know, instead of going out there for the Bengals. I don't know. At this point, I mean, he has to be thinking about it as a business decision, and as do the Bengals, they should as well. So, like I said, in my opinion, they need to rebuild. Zach Taylor, this is a chance for him to rebuild, get a fresh start. I mean, Mike Brown will probably stick with him for a while, you know, to give him a chance. But hopefully Mike Brown can come up with some money out of his pockets to give the Bengals a chance as well. Um, I don't know how that's truly going to work out, but I hope that it can. So um, we'll see how it goes. All right, everyone, we are back. And as promised earlier, I do have a special guest with us today. Uh, my wife, Elena, is here on the podcast. Elena, how you doing? Good. <laughs> Are you a little nervous? Just a little bit. Yeah, you know, I am too. I'm not going to lie. I don't know why I am. Maybe it's because I never really thought that I would have you on here for real. But well, thanks. Um, I have no problem with it, though. It's just, I don't know. Don't know how it's going to be. I guess we'll find out because everybody's been listening. So, congratulations. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, um, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to bring up the segment. Uh, I didn't do it last week, but we're going to bring it back. 
someone brought it to my attention that we didn't do it. So I'll make sure we do it this time. Uh, thank you, Tad. <laughs> uh, it's how are you and how are you really? So I'll go ahead and start it off. You know, like how am I? You know, overall, I'm good. As always, I don't have any any complaints. You know, I'm blessed to be in the life that I have and everything. And, um, you know, things are pretty chill. You know, Caden's birthday was a couple weeks back, so we had the birthday party and everything. And unfortunately, Lena was under the weather for it, so she missed it. Um, she ended up getting food poisoning, so that was no fun for her. But, um, you know, had that going on. And I just feel like with that and soccer, you know, we've been on the go, but it's been good. Um, now, how am I really? I don't know. A little tired. I've probably been a little more annoyed. I think Elena's probably noticed that. Word. <laughs> so, um, I try to get more sleep. You know, I'm usually, Elena gets coping to bed at night. And when she wakes up during the night, that's usually my shift. And I just haven't been getting a ton of sleep lately. So, um, that's how it goes. Can't complain because there's a bunch of parents out there that have gone through the same thing. So, they don't want to hear me complaining about it. So, I have no reason to complain about it. Um, other than that, you know, I'm all right. I probably won't ever catch up on sleep. But I know Lena, she enjoys her sleep as well. Um, so. Right. So I know she's tired also. So I really can't complain because she's probably going through it too. But uh, I will throw the question to you, Elena. How are you and how are you really? Honestly, great. How am I really? I'm extremely sore tonight especially after Caden's soccer practice tonight it was parents versus kids so <laughs> parents did win you know it's funny because you know the parents won i know elena she's a former soccer player she played soccer in college and everything so she's like yeah i'll go ahead and do this with Caden." and Caden was super excited about it so i was on the sideline you know doing my daddy daycare you know holding cope on the sideline trying to keep her happy and and interested in watching her mom and big brother play. So, um, I know he was excited. I, I know he wanted the nutmeg, uh, Elena, and that didn't happen, at least not by him. But yeah, I did get megged. Elena got nutmegged by a six-year-old. So, that just shows that we're getting old. Yes. <laughs> but I think everybody had a good time. I think the kids, I think the boys had a good time playing and everything. Um, you know, I told Elena that she's probably probably stretch before i don't know how much she actually did and she probably should have worn her knee brace since she's torn her acl three or four times but um you know hopefully she's not too sore tomorrow at work and the rest of this weekend so probably should have gotten some ice and some epsom salt for the tub i'll make it <laughs> i'm a lot younger than you are that's true that's true I, I am definitely a lot older than you are but um no let's let's go ahead and bring it back All right. I know that um, when we first discussed you know, having you on the show, we we're going to discuss the topic of uh, postpartum depression, and you know it was one of those things where it seems like a lot of a lot of mothers go through this, and a lot of times I think I feel like it happens in silence, or they don't know the symptoms, and you know not everybody has the same symptoms, and they may not know how to deal with those symptoms or who they need to speak with regarding them, or what it may be. So. You know, we just kind of wanted to kind of wanted to hear things from your perspective and, you know, how it was for you going through, you know, through whenever you went through it both, both times. Because I feel like that it was kind of two different situations a little bit from my perspective is what it seemed like. But obviously I'm not the one going through it. So, yeah, just the difference between Caden and Copeland is I was aware with Copeland that I could possibly have postpartum again um, and just trying to figure out how I was going to deal with it this time versus not really knowing much about it with Caden. Um, now with Caden, it was probably within the first week you brought it to my attention that I might need help. Um, you weren't trying to be mean, obviously, but you just noticed I was crying a lot. Um, All right. Speaking of crying, uh, you probably heard a little baby crying in the background. Well, Copeland woke up, so we had to pause it for a second. Now we're back. I know Elena was getting into kind of, um, you know, you're getting into kind of everything as far as um, having postpartum with Caden, not really knowing what to expect with it 
and really probably not even knowing that you really had it till I kind of mentioned, you know, maybe you should go talk to the doctor about it and see, you know, what, it, what options we have for, to help you with it and help you get through it. Cause obviously it's something you're going through on your end and, you know, we've never gone through anything like this before. So it's one of those things like, all right, what can we do? You know, so I mean, how, how were, how were you feeling going through it basically? Yeah. I just knew I wasn't myself. Um, I obviously didn't like the way I was feeling and it's different for everybody. Everybody's story is different. Everybody feels different going through these things. Everybody copes different. Um, for me, I just have never felt that way before. I felt like hopeless. What am I going to do? You know, I used to babysit. I was a nanny. I thought I knew exactly how to handle a child, but you know, in those situations, you get a break, you get to go home, you get to go to sleep, you get a full night's rest. So, um, and ultimately it's your hormones just crashing, you know, you're on this high basically mm -hmm. during pregnancy Your hormones are raging. I felt the best I had felt, um, as far as anxiety and anxiousness goes while I was pregnant. Um, and then it all comes crashing down. So, Unfortunately, a lot of females do deal with this and until it happened to me, I didn't really know much about it, but I did do some research and then I started to hear about different support groups and different things. I did not go to any support groups. I kind of wish I would have, but I relied mostly on my group, my, my friends, my family, my husband, my tribe was what I like to say. Um, it really does take a village. Charles' parents, everybody just kind of came together to get me through that time. That's supposed to be the happy, one of the happiest times mm -hmm. of your life. And unfortunately for me and quite a bit of other women, it isn't. And I think one thing that was interesting was, you know, you had always wanted to um, breastfeed. That was, and that was kind of always, you talk about the whole pregnancy, so you really wanted to do that. And, um, I know going into it, I was, I was so apprehensive. I know, I think I said, while you're pregnant, like one thing that worries me is if it's you having, you know, postpartum and you kind of gave me a look like, why would I have postpartum? There's no reason to do that or whatever. And I said, for whatever reason, I just have a feeling. And I don't know why I did. I probably shouldn't have said anything like that. Cause that could have been in the back of your mind and whatever. But, you know, honestly, like I just knew that breastfeeding, it would require a lot of time, lack of sleep, you know, those, those first, especially that first few weeks doing that for a mother, first time mother, it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was going to be super tough because there's nothing I can really do to help as far as everything. It's really 95% on the mom. So, and I think that was one of those things where you were getting lack of sleep, you know, he, Caden wasn't latching you know, initially as right. far as everything. And supply and, wasn't there with yeah, Kaden. Supply with wasn't, it right, was. right. Supply wasn't there with Kaden at all. And so obviously the stress of that, you know, when your baby be healthy, when your baby be fed and everything like that, you know, it's just, I think it's just combination of factors that added to the postpartum as well as just the additional stresses um, on it. But like I said, I'm not the one that went through it. I mean, that's just from my perspective, seeing how everything was happening and kind of observing you going through it. Yeah, and especially with Caden, obviously, like I said, I didn't want to feel that way. I didn't know what to do. Um, and for me, my option was to talk to my primary care physician and get help and let her know how I was feeling because I'm a religious person. I prayed and prayed and prayed and God did get me through, you know, all of that, but I needed some additional help. And some people might view that as maybe being weak or, you know, giving up in some sort of way. But to me, it, uh, honestly, I feel like it made me stronger admitting, okay, I need help. I need somebody else to get me through this. And, um, yeah. I, right. I, and, and all I was trying to do is like, I was trying to be as supportive as possible, you know, through everything. Obviously I wanted, wanted, uh, you know, wanted to get through you know, this time, obviously I know you're excited about having Caden and being a first time mother 
and everything and wanted to be the best she could for him. And I know that having postpartum depression was not in the plan. <laughs> it wasn't planned at all as far as that. So it was a factor that we neither of us had truly counted on you know, trying to encounter. And then, you know, once we figured it out, then it's like, all right, how do you get through it, you know, as fast as possible? And it's it seems like it's just different for everybody. It's different for every mother that goes through it. There's not one set thing that right. everybody goes through. And it's through. also different per child, like with Copeland, you know, I, I thought I knew what to expect. I obviously knew what type of um, medications would help if I needed that help. Um, but. Right. No, I mean, you probably, you probably thought, you know, you knew kind of going into it, thought it'd be kind of a similar situation. Like, all right, you know, exactly how to deal with it and everything. And, and honestly, I thought I did too. And I thought I, I knew what to do going into it. And, you know, throughout the whole pregnancy, you know, everything was fine. No anxiety, nothing like that. You were good. And you had Copeland. And I think you tried breastfeeding again, right? And I, is that when everything started or? Um, it was within an hour of being home from the hospital this time with Copeland. Um, unlike with Caden, it took a, you know, a while for me to realize, but I knew right away within an hour of being home from the hospital. It sounds crazy, but it was like reality set in. Right. Um, right. And I was trying to breastfeed. She got a lot of the colostrum, so I feel good about that. But another thing with that goes along with postpartum is you feel guilty about everything. I felt guilty for Caden because now there's this other little human being taking all of my time. Um, obviously for you being my husband, I can't really give you the attention that I want to give you and that type of thing. Um, but mostly for Caden. Right. And then you, I put a lot of pressure on myself in general, but especially during that time, I was trying to figure out how I was going to balance this new life with two children now. Um, so all those little factors went into this mm -hmm. postpartum and, which I mean, it was it was interesting. Like, I don't know if interesting is really the right word for it, but like I said, from my perspective, it's like, all right, what can I do to try to assist as much as possible, you know, while Landon's going through all of this? So it's like, all right, I noticed that it would go in waves. So it's like, it started out, it was really bad. You know, it's just Elena was honestly crying constantly. That was that was probably the main thing. Yeah, and, and lack of sleep. I could not sleep. Right, and the she thought sleep. of sleep made me anxious. It was to the point where I was literally my body was shaking, like right. shutting down on me, saying, "Go to sleep." Right, and and funny thing is, everybody's like, you know, when the baby naps, you need to sleep, but you know, Elena couldn't do that. Or if it came to be nighttime, it's time for everybody to go to sleep. She couldn't go to sleep unless everybody else was asleep. And if someone was awake, like if I was awake, she would be awake. So I was like, all right, so I would try to go to sleep earlier. That way she would try to go to sleep at least a little bit. But I'm sure by the time she tried to go to sleep, then Coco would wake up. And it was just one of those things where it was kind of, that was one of the cycles. And then I think it, it ramped up again when Kayla, Elena's twin sister, because she stayed with us that first week. When she was, it wasn't even when she left. It was when she was getting ready to leave. Like the the two days leading up to it, especially to her leaving, going back to Nashville was very hard for me. Just thinking like, how am I going to do this without her? Although I've done it before with Caden, we made it through. Right. Right. And I had Terrell all along, but just having your sister there, it was amazing. Um, she was there for a, the whole first week with Caden and Copeland. And she would literally sit up and stay up with Copeland, um, Tell me, please go to sleep, please go to sleep. And right. I just couldn't. Uh, I wish I could have. Right. Right. So it, it was just one of those things where it's like, it was like the, the thought of, I think it was that we figured out it was the thought of change is what triggered it, triggered the waves of the depression, of the postpartum. Um, at least that really contributed to it that would make it worse. So it was like when we knew, when Elena knew that a change was going to happen, then her mind will start thinking this change is coming, this change is coming, and then the postpartum will get worse. And it was like that 
when Kaylee was leaving, it was like that when remember you were having a hard time sleeping, so you were having you'd be thinking about you'd be in during the daytime you would start thinking about nighttime and going to sleep, and then yeah. that would cause you to have you know anxiety from it and. The postpartum and and I cry in. because I'm like, I don't want to feel like that. I want to sleep and I absolutely could not. And if I tried to lay down, I would get even more anxious and I just have to get back up. And then I became obsessive about cleaning. Right. And so then she had this, the excessive side of it where she started cleaning and everything, but then she wasn't sleeping. And then the combination of those things made everything worse. And I think everybody can relate with when you are on little to no sleep. Right. For multiple nights in a row, you're on edge, you're anxious, everything bothers you. So lack of sleep was a big part of it, um, for sure. Right, right. And then, and then like I said, getting back to Caden, you know, there's one time where I, mean, I was able to take basically a month off of work uh, from, from the job that I had. And I was able to take a month off and, you know, kind of be there. Or work on, from home. Or work at work from home. And I could be there to help Elena at home. So she's like, she didn't feel alone, basically. So, because there was a point in time where she seemed better. She had talked with the doctor, um, you know, got on some medication to help her with everything. And everything kind of seemed like it was leveling out. And then, but a change would happen and it was like, it would throw everything back into a loop. So this one time I I was off work for I think three weeks maybe four weeks, and then probably the next two weeks after that like I went back to work for a week and then I took to actually work from home two weeks after that so I could help out more around the house with you know with Elaine and the kids, and um, it was one of those things where when it came to Caden, you know I always tried to spend time with him and everything and I know Elena felt like that, you know he was not feeling left out but the attention wasn't as much on him. So that was another part of the postpartum that I don't know how much you realized it was going on where you wanted to hang out with Caden more and not necessarily be around Copeland all the time. Like it was definitely like, here, Trell, you can take Copeland. I'm going to go out here with Caden. I did. Or, I, needed, I needed time. I felt like, you know, just sitting there looking around at the room like, oh, my gosh, I need to put these toys away. I need to go clean bottles. And I'm just sitting there you know, with Copeland, right. not being able to do all those things that I think are so important that I need to do for me to be able to just to relax. It was like, almost like I was finding things to do to not, mm -hmm. not necessarily spend time. It sounds horrible, but I just didn't want to deal with it at that time. Right. Like, right. So, I mean, that, I am glad I was able to, that my job was allowed me to be, or it was as flexible as it is, is as flexible as it is. So I could, yes. I could be around, I could be there to, I, there was, I, me and Copeland, we've spent a lot of quality time together <laughs> during that time frame when I thought I was going to be more, I thought I was more like hanging out with Caden a little more, make sure he was still good. But it was really like, it was me and Copeland hanging out quite a bit. And, I, and I'm not saying that Elena didn't do anything. Elena did plenty for sure. But there was definitely times where she, you know, wanted, just needed a break, just needed a break and needed to kind of get away from everything almost luckily it was summer so Caden and i were outside quite a bit playing right. soccer basketball different things and that was one thing that seemed to help elena and it was you know being outside in the you know in the fresh air and everything it seemed to going on walks right going on walks and everything anything just, to right keep my mind off of my reality right right you know it seemed it seemed to, to kind of help you know calm things down a little bit and yeah and i know a lot of females struggle with wanting to um harm themselves or their child mm -hmm. i never dealt with that right thank god um, and, and we did have a conversation about that like you know there's one time where i think i was basically you know what's going on you know how are you feeling like what are you thinking like i don't know what you're going through so you know i need to I just need to know where you are because I didn't want anything like that to happen. And if she was having thoughts like that, I wanted to be aware of them so I could figure out yeah. the appropriate action that would need to be taken. <laughs> Fortunately, you know? I didn't have that. And there is something also called just the baby blues, which is a week or two, a period of time where you just, you're getting used to your new normal and, you know, your hormones are leveling back out and people struggle during that time period. But postpartum is a little bit more... 
um, lengthy, mm-hmm. a little bit more in depth, I would say. Right, right. So, and, but, and there were like throughout the whole process, I mean, I could see Elena, I could see you getting better, you know, from the first time we went to the doctor for it, where you're pretty much crying the whole appointment, you know, and it just, it just, it was getting better. And it was almost like, okay, if I can get through this week, because the type of medication that my doctor put me on, it's, I think an SSRI, but it takes, she said, you know, it takes four weeks to get into your system and then six weeks basically to work in full effect. And so it was like, each week I'm like, and I don't know if it was just mental for me and it probably was, but okay, the, if I can get through this week, I'll be better by the end of the week. Next week's going to be better. Right. And then, you know, so on and so forth. So by the fourth, fifth week, I was better. I still have struggles to this day, but I can cope with it much better. I think yeah. um, everything, we're in a good routine. We're in a good place. Um I still deal with some anxiety, but now I really kind of know how to handle it and cope on my own right? without additional help. So I'm thankful for that. Right. And I mean, I, that's also one of those things where you say, if we do have another child, do you, you probably expect you're going to get postpartum. You're going to have it again, probably. Yeah. Right? I mean, we've had that conversation where, you know, is that one month where it's horrible for me really worth not having that third child that we both want or fourth, third, fourth, but I think we're good with three. (laughs) (laughs) I like my sleep a little bit, probably too much. That's probably true. Although I did recently hear that females um, require a lot more sleep than, than men. We're going to believe everything we see on the internet. Yes. Right. (laughs) But that one for sure. But no, but I mean, no, I don't know though. Like ultimately, I know for a second when we first talked about it, it was probably too soon to talk about it. It's like, no, you know, we don't, I don't want to see you go through it again. I don't know if you wanted to go through it again. So I was like, no, we're not going to do this at all. You know, we have two healthy, healthy children right now or whatever. But now it's like, well, you know what? Maybe we're open to the, to the possibility as far as everything. So, you know, we don't know. We'll see what happens. But, it's one of those things where I know me personally, you know, being the, the husband, being the father, you know, I'm just, it's one of those things that I, I'm honestly mentally have to gear up for as far as that. And I know Lena probably doesn't want to hear that, but it's true just because, you yeah, know, I'm... I would need to try to figure out how I'm going to assess and handle the situation because it, it might be the same symptoms as this time around. It might be something different. So, and I'll honestly, like, I don't know how that's going to be. Um, I think and... I would probably tackle it a little bit different than I did this time. There's not a f- four, almost five year gap if we were to have another, but right. that's for another topic. Another yeah. Session. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, you but know, I'm I know, very I thankful. I, even told Terrell, you know, I can't imagine what you're going through. And then, you know, I felt guilty about that also, because I couldn't imagine seeing my spouse crying every day, like every morning, every night. When I left, if I left to go to work, I'd get a phone call. She's crying. He's crying. You know, I just, I can't imagine what you went through. And I'll be honest, it, you know, it was tough, but I didn't want, I mean, I don't think, I think I held back pretty good showing that like, oh, it's all good. Like we can figure and it out. You did, and... but there were days where I could tell it was wearing on you. So that didn't, I mean, and it wasn't something that. Yeah, I mean, and that's just one of those things. But it's like, again, we can, we can get through, and we'll be fine, and and you know, we're good. So, yeah, uh, I'm glad that we we've gotten through it, and you know, it was one of those things where it's good to talk about. I think it's one good thing. You know, Elena learned that it was good to talk about things for her. Um, we're we're definitely opposite when it comes to that in general. You know, Elena's more of you know, let you know exactly where she is, where she stands on something. I'm more. If something happens, you know, I'll just keep it to myself and internalize it and deal. So he likes know. to frustrate me <laughs> when I do. it comes I'm, to that. I'm, I'm like, I'm, what are I'm you good thinking? at that. So but. that's what, but in this situation, I did try to open up more and have that conversation with, you know, with you as far as I think also that. this time I was sick going into my, like going into surgery, having my C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, with Copeland, uh, this was my second C-section if you didn't know, but so 
I had a cough, upper respiratory infection. Yeah. I didn't even know if they were going to be able to do the surgery. I didn't know how all that worked because I was pretty sick. And they said, you know, we're still a go. And then after I had Copeland, I was so consumed with trying to breastfeed and figure out, you know, this new baby because right. it's been four, four and a half, five years. Right. And I forgot about me and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm still sick. By the time I got home from the hospital, mm -hmm. I was coughing so horrible and I felt like I couldn't catch my breath. So that, in addition to everything else, did not help my anxiety because I was like, oh, I probably have lung cancer or a blood clot. Like, <laughs> right. you know, but your you, mind just goes to the worst place. You so. were at least allowed to take medicine after that to kind of help with the right. respiratory infection and everything. So, yeah, so where before you were just pretty much trying to tough it out. So, right. And I, you know, Courtney, my uh, sister-in-law, my brother Ryan's wife, she's an RN and she came over and, you know, checked my pulse ox and, you know, listened to my lungs and all that and, it was, and it reassured me that I was okay. Yeah, and... It was definitely good to have her here for that because like I said, it reassured you and, you know, she's like, all right, she is a medical professional of some sort. So it did help put Elena's mind at ease as far as, you know, the health and everything like that. Yeah, so. so, and they live 0.5 miles right. down the street. Literally so down the street, so that helps. I knew that they were just a phone call away. But, again, postpartum, it's all mental. It's a mental game, really. You feel guilty for calling somebody to mm -hmm. ask for help. You feel guilty for just having another child. Right. Um, you feel guilty for your spouse, like, feel bad for your spouse. Um, your My mom came over quite a bit to help. Mm -hmm. Um, she's been around. I'm very thankful to have, have her, um, helping out. So. And I think everybody's, everybody's understanding, especially all the, all the, mo all the mothers out there. They're like, you know, this is normal. Don't feel bad. You know, mm -hmm. you, you'll get through it, but it, it just don't feel like that this is that no one else has gone through what you're going through because you know, you're not alone in going through this. So I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways for that is like mothers, new mothers, you know, this is, it can be a normal thing, mm -hmm. you know, and it shouldn't be something that you should keep into yourself. You know, you should discuss it with your spouse. You should discuss it with your parents. You should discuss friend, it with your friend, you know, discuss it, you know, specifically with your doctor. You know, if that's the case, you're going through it, you know, you notice symptoms or your spouse notices symptoms, go to the doctor and, you know, talk with them about it and see what's going to be the best course of action for you. And, you know, the faster you can get on that course of action, you know, the faster hopefully you can get to feeling back to your your normal again. Yes, so, absolutely. And Reach it, out. Um, if people say they're there to help you, they are there to help you. 100%. Don't feel guilty for calling somebody, your friend, your family, right. anybody. Um, it's important. And it's a very important to take care of yourself. I always seem to put myself last. Uh, True. A lot of times. Most so, time. like Cheryl shared earlier, like it's hard for me to go to sleep even now at night unless everybody else in the house is asleep. And I'm sure there's a lot of people, especially mothers, who do the same thing. So, um, reach out. Definitely talk to your doctor. Get help. It does not make you a weaker person. If anything, it makes you stronger for saying, hey, I need some help. And right. you're a big enough person, mature enough person to get that help. So... Whether it's just seeing a therapist, going to a support group, getting a, put on a medication that's going to help you get through this um, stage of life. Right. You've right. got to take care of you. You know, I had to take care of me to be the best, best mother that I can be. So, and here I am. Uh, most definitely. Most definitely. So. So, and thank you, Terrell, for always being by my side and being supportive and always reassuring me that. Yes, you are crazy right now, but I still love you. <laughs> uh, yeah, you um, And we're going to get nice. through this. We are going to get through this. So I do appreciate you. Nah, you're too nice and, to me. And my family. <laughs> no, friends, it, but... yeah. No, it, 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 it's all good there. And, you know, we, we do what we can. And like I said, I'm sure everybody else is going through this. You know, if you are going through it, like, you know, try to reach out to family and friends. You know, it just... It's it's best to talk with someone if you can. If you suggest your doctor, you know that every little bit helps as far as that. So, you know, don't go through it alone. You know, be with people that are there that love you and support you. And, you know, 
try to don't don't try, don't try to take it do do not try to take it on alone uh, sorry i was tongue-tied elaine is laughing at me right now mm-hmm. and that's all right so but. but and just another thing too um for us women it's this life is not a competition we're all going through struggles there's different storms that everybody's been through um whether they're going through it now in their past you know, what they're facing in their future as far as maybe a job, a, you know, relationship, children. So everybody's going through something. It's not a competition. We're all in this together. So, you know, I'm sick of the judgmental people out there, you know. Yeah. Everybody has a story, has a past. Let's, you know, come together, support one another, pray for one another. Um, so... Definitely. So, but, uh, Elena, thank you for coming on. Did you have fun? Yeah. Are you still nervous? No. No? Not at all. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. Yeah, hopefully this reaches maybe even just if it reaches one person that's maybe struggling with postpartum depression, baby blues, anxiety, depression, general mm-hmm. anxiety, anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, you know. Do this you, could help somebody out. Do you remember the names of the organizations that were out there? That um, the one mentioned? in Fairfield specifically, it was called Different Shades of Blue, um, I okay. believe. But just Google it. Yeah, definitely. Ask your um, look. Look into it. You know, CCP. They'll let you know. Right. Try. Try to try to find a group to speak with. As far as that, I'm sure there's groups that are close to your area, wherever you live, um, and. You know, don't don't be scared to to speak with someone about it. Like I said, it's it's gonna be the best thing to help you out and get you through. You know, don't go through it alone. So yeah. All right, Lena, thanks for coming out. We appreciate you here on the Always Relevant podcast. Which Elena, Elena did come. She did uh, come up with a name for that. So we can I can credit her for the the name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. So no problem. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. All right. Now, I know I spoke a little bit about college football earlier, but I want to get into my predictions for the Heisman race this year. It is about midseason, so it's a good time to really probably talk about Heisman candidates and also the college football playoff. Um I know it's still it's still early in the season. A lot of things can still happen. Um, I think the cream's starting to rise to the top as far as um, both in the Heisman race and in the playoff, con, you know, um, contention. Um, ultimately, in the, play, in the Heisman race, I mean, I think the four front runners are Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma, Joe Burrow from LSU, Justin Fields from Ohio State, and Tua Tagovailoa. I can't pronounce his last name from Alabama. The quarterback. They're all good. They're all solid. They all make plays. They all have been leading their teams. All their teams are all undefeated right now, and they're all leading the charge. So it's going to be tough because this past week, uh, weekend, Tua hurt his ankle. I think he had a high ankle sprain, and they said he's ultimately going to have surgery on it. Um, same thing he did last year, I think, except it's the opposite ankle. Um, and I just don't know how Alabama's team is going to be with him on the bench. So I think that's going to affect his Heisman, his Heisman race, depending on how long he's going to be out. They say a week or two, but it's high ankle sprain. They always linger around. I don't know how much better it's going to be after he gets surgery on it, but it'll be interesting to see how they are with the true freshman at quarterback in these next couple of weeks and uh, how they are once he gets back and if he's still performing at the same level because as he goes, their offense goes for sure. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, they do have a lot of talent around the freshman. Uh, I forget his name, but um, obviously he's at Alabama, so he's pretty decent. He's a freshman, and he's playing, so you know he's not terrible. Um, and they always have solid defense, but, but um, I don't know if they've really been truly challenged yet this year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, Jalen Hurts, he's just shown that he is a much better passer than when he was at Alabama. I know last year, I mean, he sucked it up. I don't think I can't remember if he redshirted or not. I don't think he did, but he stayed. He endured being the backup quarterback to Tua. Um, so, I mean, I, he swallowed a lot of his pride. But then again, he went and worked on his game, worked on his craft during that time frame in Alabama. When they needed him last year, he came in, he stepped up, and he helped them win the SEC championship. 
and he got him where they needed to go when Tua was hurt. So um, when he transferred to Oklahoma, I mean, he showed basically he still has his legs. He still runs like a running back, but he hasn't really had to. You know, he's been throwing the ball you know, very well all year. And the one thing that concerns me about him in the Heisman race is he's going to put up great numbers because the Big 12 plays zero defense, and they all air it out. And I don't know how that's going to go in the end. Um, I know Texas is supposed to be a, a big showdown for them, but Texas' defense is suspect. So I don't really know how that's going to go for him the rest of the year. He just needs to keep putting up video game-type numbers, and that's the best thing he can do. Um, Justin Fields for Ohio State, he's been in. He's been doing everything well. He's been leading them to victories. I think Ohio State is the best team in the country. I hate to say that because I'm a Michigan fan, but just from the eye test, that's just what it looks like. You know, they have athletes everywhere. They have a good quarterback at the helm, and he does a little bit differently than what Dwayne Haskins did last year. But he goes out there and he can make plays with his arms. He can with his arm. He can make plays with his legs. He is he's the quarterback that they needed, and um, it just goes around goes along with all the rest of the athletes that they reload with every year. And you know, I can't say anything else about it except they truly reload. And I think they've done the same thing this year. And I think they're going to be a tough out for whoever draws them in the playoffs because, honestly, I don't think anybody in the Big Ten is going to uh, come after them. Um, But right now, for me, the leader, the Heisman candidate leader in the clubhouse right now is Joe Burrow for LSU. Uh, I don't have his numbers right now, but he's putting up video game numbers. He's leading LSU. If they had even, you know, half of the defense that they normally do, I think that they would easily walk to the national championship this year. Um, or they would at least give Ohio State a run for their money. I think those would be the two best teams. Um, if they can figure everything out on defense, they have the offense, they have the athletes, they have the quarterback. You know, when's the last time that you can say LSU had a true quarterback that could lead them to victory? Normally they have athletes everywhere, everywhere. they have a great running back, but they relied on their defense to make plays for them, and then they would score just enough because they could rely on that defense. So, But now they can put up points. They put up over 40 points a game. And they put up yards, and their defense is suspect. They make plays, but you can definitely move the ball on them. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how it happens and everything. But for me, Joe Burrow, he is he is in the lead for the Heisman race. So, you know, he's coach's son. He's smart. He has it upstairs. You see him. He has a little bit of he has a little bit of swag to him. If you ever watch him play or watch him talk, so you know, it's definitely interesting to see. You know, I think it's a good thing there. But um, you know, he is the he is my. Uh, he is my candidate for winning the Heisman this year. Now, going into the college football playoff, um, similar teams to those quarterbacks in the Heisman race. I mean, that's usually how it goes, right? You know, my four, at least my three right now are Ohio State, Clemson, and LSU, and I think it's going to be between Oklahoma and Alabama. Now, I know that's going to probably change once LSU and Alabama play and everything, but I don't think anybody in the ACC is really going to touch Clemson and Trevor Lawrence has not played the best this year. So once he starts playing well, and I assume that he will the second half of the season, they're going to be rolling because they have athletes everywhere. They have a quality defense, not as dominating as last year, but they're still really good. And he's the difference maker. And, you know, I think everybody kind of knows what to expect from him now, so it's probably a little bit tougher for him. And he's probably trying to be the big man on campus and make the big plays, but he's gonna he's rolling in that role, and I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, I've already talked about Ohio State. You know how I feel about them. I think they're going to be there. Um, same thing about LSU. But, like I said, it goes back to Oklahoma Alabama. It depends if two is healthy, first of all. Um, if the, if he comes back healthy, I think Alabama is probably going to get in. If he doesn't come back healthy, and if not, I think it's going to be Oklahoma. Besides them, I'm trying to think other teams that could get there that even have a chance. Because Wisconsin blew it this past week when they lost to Illinois. And I thought they were solid because they played really good defense before, and they could run the ball and control the clock. You know, that's just straight Wisconsin football. And I don't know if they just look past Illinois or whatever, but losing to Illinois is one thing to have a loss on your schedule, but losing to Illinois is a bad loss, and that's tough to come back from. And honestly, it hurts, it hurts the Big Ten's chances overall. So I don't know how it goes. Um, after seeing Penn State against Michigan, I don't think they're as strong as what they need to be to be in the playoffs. I think if they play Ohio State, they will lose. I think they will lose by quite a bit. Um, honestly, right now, the way I've seen Michigan play, I think Michigan loses by quite a bit to Ohio State when they play. 
Maybe they'll prove me wrong the back half of the season, but I'm not counting on it. Um, if Ohio State ends up playing Wisconsin in the championship, I think Ohio State's going to roll. Um, if they end up playing Iowa in the championship somehow, I think to the next the next team is, I think they're going to roll. I don't think it matters who they play. I think they're going to roll through the Big Ten. Um, and obviously, I'm not even talking about the Pac-10 or Pac-12 because they're just I don't think they're on the the level that all the other conferences are. So I'm not going to really bring anybody from that conference up. It really is, you know, Ohio State, Clemson. And two teams from the SEC. I think that's who it's going to be. You know, you thought it might be Georgia, but they had the upset loss against uh, South Carolina a couple weeks ago, which was kind of a bad loss. And then they were playing it close against Kentucky for a while, and then they ended up winning 21-0. But, um, you know, Kentucky was making it close, so I don't know if they feel like the season's lost. I mean, they could make a run, but they're not as dominant as what they were previously either. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I know everybody's talking about Texas a little bit. Texas can score points, but I believe they did lose to Oklahoma. And like I said before, their defense just isn't there. So, like I said previously, it's really going to be, I really do believe it's going to be Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, and then the difference between Oklahoma and Alabama. And I don't see that changing for any reason. Florida, they have good defense. They don't have enough offense, in my opinion. They could. I like Trask quarterback better than uh, the other guy that got hurt. But um, I just don't see it. Not right now. So that could change the upcoming weeks. I'll keep posting my thoughts. But that's where I am on it. All right, buddy. We are here for our final segment relax and take notes so i want to bring it back to everybody um specifically we're going to talk about popeyes the popeyes restaurants in the dayton and cincinnati ohio areas um the debate you probably heard it previously which uh which chicken sandwich is better popeyes or chick-fil-a now i didn't get a chance to try popeyes chicken sandwich because they were out um, I know they originally debuted it back in August, and they sold out of it in two weeks. It was craziness. Everybody was talking about it. It all goes back to the Twitter debate between Wendy's and, or not, not Wendy's, but Chick-fil-A and Popeye's. So I'm not going to get into all that. I'm sure everybody's heard about it. But I know me personally, I'm going to throw Wendy's into the ring because I typically get chicken sandwiches from Wendy's. So I'm all about the Wendy's chicken sandwich. That's kind of where my vote is. Um, I had Wendy's. I had Chick-fil-A. I have not had Popeye's. So I do plan on trying that. But one thing that they are doing to prepare for the upcoming chicken sandwich frenzy at Popeye's is um, their franchisee owner said that they have hired additional people uh, for it to to plan for that date. They don't have a specific date in November, but they do believe it's going to be here in early November. So they've hired additional people uh, for that and they've gone through additional training or implemented additional training practices so that when... The demand comes through for these chicken sandwiches. Uh, hopefully they can handle it when it comes. And hopefully they still have the supplies so they don't run out in two or three weeks like they did previously. So we'll see what happens. I look forward to trying it. And when I do, I will give you my update and my opinion on which is best. Popeye's, Chick-fil-A, and like I said, Wendy's. So that's how it's going to be. That's your Relax and Take Notes segment. I appreciate your time. Remember, uh, you can check us out on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. There's a lot of other different places you can listen to that I just don't remember off the top of my head. But you also listen to an anchor, which you're probably doing right now anyway. But I would definitely suggest one of the other ones for sure. But um, you want to hit me up on social media, on Twitter, franchise at Franchise1122, on Instagram at TerrellDwayne11. So I look forward to it. If you have any questions, let me know. Hit me up. I want to hear from you. Uh, good talking with y'all. And I can't wait till next week. So have a good one. We're out.